Hello and welcome to the Groove Sofa podcast. I'm Alice. And I'm Lucy. And together we want to invite guests to come and share their grief with us. Our aim is to cover a whole range of grief from a whole range of people. We're sorry for your loss, but we are glad that you have found us. Thank you for listening to the Groove Sofa podcast. In today's episode, we are joined with Ruby, who talks about her mum, who died suddenly three and a half years ago. We talk about how grief has impacted Ruby's work and how she has developed a newfound love for gardening. This episode, we go through all the emotions from crying to laughing, which we feel is an accurate representation of the roller coaster that is grief. Hey, I'm Ruby. I'm 29 years old. I live in Bristol and I have done all my life. And today I'm going to talk about my lovely mum, Wendy, and my grief for her. So it was like three and a half years ago. Mum went into hospital with awful pains. She didn't really know what was going on. They thought it might have been gallbladder issues. Um, they didn't do that many tests, I don't think. I don't remember them doing that much many tests, but I think she was in so much pain. She couldn't really communicate much either. So I was visiting as much as I could and we're trying to make sense of it trying to make get answers out of the nurses and the doctors but it didn't seem to be much happening about three weeks later she just discharged herself because she didn't feel like there was any point in her being there she was still in pain so yeah so then she went she didn't even last a day at home she had to have an ambulance straight back into hospital in the the middle of the night and my poor middle brother had just moved home so he was sort of like there with her at night so yeah so she ended up back in hospital and then they did more tests I think this time they took it a little bit more seriously because obviously they'd seen that she'd already been in with horrendous pain Mm. at no point did I think that she would die I don't think I even I took a job in a Christmas market because it was in December well no she went into hospital in October near Halloween time because I remember her like planning my outfit with me and my best friend so that's sort of how I sort of know that's the time of year and she went in yeah and then I had the job at Christmas time my first day was the day that she got the prognosis and I wasn't there so still to this day now I don't really know what exactly was said um during that Everyone else was there. Oh, so yeah, people were with her. Everyone else was there. I was like, no, she's going to be fine. They're just going to tell us it's some form of cancer. Because I think by the, yeah, we sort of knew it was cancer. We knew it was cancer. We didn't know where it was. We thought we knew it was in her stomach, basically, because that's where the pain was. But we didn't know uh, what the origin was. So yeah, then the prognosis came in. I wasn't there. Every single person, my, my two brothers, my dad, and my nan were there. My nan had pretty much moved into the hospital by then as well. And my dad had to come down to the stool I was working on in the market in town. He looked at me and said, you need to come back. And I went, but I'm working. I'm here. What? What's happening? And he couldn't tell me. He, he just couldn't even talk. That's like literally all he could say. Oh, could yes. see this in his eyes, like disbelief. Um, and luckily, just as he'd sort of turned up my the woman that owned the stall turned up and she was like she could see that something had gone wrong she'd been made aware of the situation 
yeah she was, she was like a family friend or something so she kind of almost sort of knew something would happen mm. um, but yeah like I said I hadn't I just it was never in my brain that she would die that she would get a terminal prognosis well so you were so whilst you're working on this door the doctors came in and told them this news yeah. and he then came to you to tell you that and then what happened after that you went you went to the hospital to be with her or you know did, was she yeah. at home or was she well dad basically like I I'm not much of a runner I don't <laughs> <laughs> <Me> neither. <laughs> I ran to the BRI I ran dad like couldn't keep up and I kept going you need to tell me you need to tell me you need to tell me He's like, just go, just go. I can't, I can't tell you. Like he, he physically could not get those words out. out. Mm. And I like burst into the room, and everyone was like, like left the room when I walked in. Because up until that point, I think I'd been the only one that was there solidly, being self-employed. You know, I had the freedom to do that. Luckily, yeah. And she said, I was fucking right, wasn't I? Am I allowed to swear? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course you are. <laughs> I was fucking right, wasn't I? It's like glitter. It's fucking everywhere and really hard to hoover up. And I went, what? No, no, no. Not, I like, absolutely just could not believe. Um, and she said, yeah, no, this is it. And I'm really glad you weren't here because we'd probably still be talking to the doctors now and I'm done with them. <laughs> Oh, Ruby. Yeah. I'm so sorry that you had to fight so hard to get that diagnosis and your mum had to fight so hard to get that diagnosis. That's mm. so impossibly difficult. So she'd been in hospital then. That was her seventh week. It's incredible um, that it took that long to find something. I know. I know. But even, even if they had found it earlier, there's no part of me that, that now thinks that anything would have changed hmm. yeah so what happened after that diagnosis did she stay in the hospital or well she fought her absolute hardest to get out of hospital she'd like hold all of her energy to see the doctors to be like mm. can I go home get the pain meds right but also because it happened so quickly and she was in so much pain getting the, the pain medication right and her not hallucinating mm. or being delirious or not really with it. So she was, they didn't want her to basically be asleep or um, hallucinate. Yeah, you know, so she, they, they wanted her to be able to be coherent. Talk. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when I think about that now, she must have been in, in so much pain still. Mm. Um, and just for, the, for, for our benefit, kept herself sort of talking you know yeah which I'm really grateful for yeah we've talked a couple of times now on the podcast about the strength that people find in afterwards you think how on earth did they Mm -hmm. continue like that but they just have they must there must be a reserve that that people have when you know they're at that worst at that worst moment where they can find something to, you know, be there for their families still. She just, she just gripped on to wanting to come home and be with her garden and like just see the home one more time. 
and her best 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 friend lived in Norway so when when we knew it was cancer she said right I've been putting this phone call off I'm gonna have to do it I'm gonna have to reinvent her um Benta is like my mum's soul sister oh sorry I didn't get upset that's okay. oh, that's all right, Ruby. Just because I talk about it all the time. Um, yeah, Benta is um, my mum's soul sister. They've been friends since my baby brother was like two. Oh. Um, and they go on holidays. They look like real sisters. <laughs> it's really lovely. Um, she lives in Norway. And I think I'm crying because um, the kindness that she gave my family mm. was just incredible. The love, care, and just kindness. Mm. We both, we all agree that um, we all agree that no one's ever been that kind, and that that kind of kindness is unbeatable. And kept us so strong so mm. she arrived <laughs> she got here within three days or something she got to Bristol I was living in the hospital like they put a little mattress out on the floor for me bless you and I just thought like, I'm not going anywhere I didn't want to go home to my house on my own but Benta looked after the boys cooked for the boys drove the boys into hospital so we didn't have to pay with bloody parking <laughs> It's, it's literally the worst thing, isn't it? I think my brother just gave up and just stopped paying eventually. <laughs> mm. It's ludicrously expensive, you know. Yeah, but um, I literally couldn't have gotten through. She stayed for a month after. She helped us with everything. She helped so. set, we proper helped set up the house so that when mum did come home, could eventually come home, it was like as tidy as she dreamed it always was, it would be. <laughs> love that yeah she just was a total calming calming presence she is just like she is kind and fierce and just wonderful um you you don't want to get on the wrong side of her but you definitely want to be on the right side of her so Benta just yeah couldn't have done it without her really she still now she still looks after us now like checks in and we've gone on holidays together sort of stepped in and taken mum's place in that kind of way maybe it's amazing we did an episode actually last a couple of weeks ago on um friendship and the things that people can do for you and that kind of that kind of friendship is the kind of friendship we all dream of isn't it you know people showing up and just doing stuff and just making things easier yeah. and making things lighter and bringing energy and warmth into such a dark place. And I think I can, you know, understand why you got so emotional there because I was thinking as you were talking and I was tearing up myself about the friends who have been there in those darkest moments for us as a family and how much we owe them and just how special they are you know they do carry so much energy really from from the passing of our loved ones so she sounds amazing so when so how long was it you know from diagnosis to the time when you lost your mum not even two weeks 
she was in hospital for eight and a bit weeks and at home for mm. three days. Bless her. Mm. Yeah. Bless her heart. That's so, so difficult. But she got home. She got home. If she'd have died in hospital, I think I would be a different person than I am. Yeah. She died with me, my best friend, who was also incredible. My soul sister, you know, with me, mum, nanny and her, four of us, just peacefully at home. Well, as peacefully as she could have been. Mm. So, yeah. If it, if it had been in hospital, we did have a scare. <laughs> yeah. I laugh about it now because my mum had a really weak bladder. <laughs> <laughs> and you know usually we, we lose body functions don't we when we die yeah and <laughs> she hit me <laughs> she um she basically wet herself on the way to the toilet and they were like oh no they panicked basically and put her in a like solo room originally <laughs> She was sharing a room with someone else and they, they put people in solo rooms when they're going to die. Yeah. Um, and I was like, it's fine. Like, she often. <laughs> <laughs> this was happening before the cancer, so. <laughs> Maybe not this bad, but like, I'm not worried. Like, she's going to tell me. She's going to tell me when she's going to die and today is not the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... I'm sort of glad we also had that night as well to like prepare us. Yeah. Um, and her brother and sister came in. We lost my uncle the year before. So my family was just like, trauma, trauma, trauma. <laughs> but um, so her brother and sister came in, sort of said their goodbyes. I think my uncle might have stayed on a chair that night. Nanny stayed on a chair. Me and Lawrence were in a mattress. I think a guy might have been pacing the halls. And my dad. <laughs> God, honestly, humour gets us through everything, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does, yeah. <laughs> my dad had gone for a walk, came back in, couldn't find anywhere to sort of sit or sleep around us all, said his goodbyes, and then went to find, like, a comfy chair, like, downstairs or somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> put his coat over himself and like took his shoes off <laughs> and put them under a thing and um <laughs> sorry uh and the nurse had to be like excuse me sir you can't sleep here thought him he might have been like a homeless person <laughs> and he was like no sorry my um the the, 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 the <laughs> like like he was like barely awake was like the mother of my children is about to die so I'm staying here <laughs> oh my gosh I know I shouldn't be laughing but <laughs> honestly so funny when he told us you know yeah laughter just gets you through everything yeah definitely it does like and it's just it's just mad what grief can do to you you know one minute one minute we're crying and the next minute we're crying with laughter it's just such a roller coaster um yeah exactly roller coaster that's best way to put it 100 percent. thank you so much for sharing that with us ruby and actually i'm really surprised i've you know as long as i've known you and as much as we've spoken i've never actually i don't think i've heard you know those sort of 
details of you know your I've, I've learned a lot about your mum and who she was as a person mm-hmm. you know and I, I think that you two are probably quite similar you're this bright bubbly wonderful character but I, I haven't really heard that story before and it, yeah it's um certainly touching I think like I probably told it quite a lot when I was first part of Let's Talk About Loss and then as a host and as a part and, and as a member my favorite thing about being in the group is being able to talk about my mum and like yeah. introducing her to new people I think I say that in nearly every meetup because it you is do yeah. <laughs> that's your and little like, line <laughs> <laughs> that's my line so yeah probably don't talk about her death story that much but now it's now it's out there so enjoy that guys I think as well it's something like if you haven't revisited it for a while and then you start talking about it like it really it's really traumatic isn't it and I think for as long as we live like remembering those months weeks and moments they're always always gonna hit home really hard. When would you say then along your grief journey has been the hardest point or the lowest point? See, when I first answered that, I would have thought that that was in the first few months. But actually, I normally say it was in the second year when I really realised that she was not on holiday. Mm. I was living in her home. I'd left my home that I'd made to move back home. So she was not coming back because I was sleeping in her bed. And I just struggled with everything in the second year. Yeah. I felt like people have forgotten. And um, in the first, like the first time I thought this is like rock bottom was thinking about starting work again though. But definitely the darkest bit was in the second year for me. Yeah, definitely. I think it's like that first year, you're just in such a sh- um, such a state of shock. You know, you don't really know what's going on around you. And I know that you've told me before that you went on quite a few holidays in that first year. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's exactly what I did. I didn't want to do anything. I was saying no to work. Um, I was doing what I booked in in 2017, but I wasn't taking on anymore. Mm. I was just doing what I wanted to do. We'd got a little bit of money, so I was just spending it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And like that, that going away and that holiday, it's just that sense of escapism, isn't it? You know, you're just trying to run away from from the world and trying to run away from from what's happened. And eventually it sort of comes back to get you. And I think probably year two is quite a common time. Yeah, I think so. And I think we've seen that in the group. I think we've read that quite a few times now yeah definitely so when you went back in 2017 were you doing your photography back then yeah no I've been a photographer for eight years I studied it as much as I could and then went self-employed in my second year I was trying to do photography full-time in 2017 Mm. I'd come back from traveling I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I feel ready. Here we go. Book stuff in. Boom, boom, boom. Mm. Okay, well, I went on one more holiday. <laughs> <laughs> I, went, I went to Ireland. Um, and then the 
when I was in Ireland, I learned about Ricky, my ex who took his own life. And I said, oh, okay, I'm just going to take some more time off. Then, okay, here we go. Uh, then the summer went on, I did a few weddings, assisted some people, did a few shoots. I was like, yeah, okay, I can do this, put some more in for the year after. And then mum died and I was like, nah, no. How can I ever photograph another family, an occasion that my mum's going to miss out on, if anyone is ever lucky enough to marry me? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, how am I supposed to do that? No, that's, that's not fair. I'm not putting myself through that torture. I think that's really interesting. Um, and I, you know, I think that you're definitely not alone in, in feeling that way about returning to work. It's a really bittersweet thing if you work, if your work, you know, connects you in some way, shape or form to your parents um, or whoever you've lost. And I found, you know, I work at Cancer Research. I found going back to work, I wasn't sure how I'd feel about it. But then there was a risk of redundancy because of the pandemic and the fear of me losing the two things that I loved, you know, like losing my dad and then losing this thing that really connected me to him was like, oh my God, I can't lose both of those things. Mm -hmm. And I know that we've, I know that you shared before, you know, that you are still doing photography and that's wonderful and you now have this new light on it that I'm sure you can kind of talk about a little bit more um but you've mentioned a bit of those like kind of bittersweet moments and I have those at work too where I hear about a breakthrough and esophageal cancer and I'm like oh amazing but my god like why did that not happen last year the year before whilst my yeah. dad was going through this you know why that why was that breakthrough treatment not there and it's so bittersweet. So bittersweet. I mean, I use that fear now, the fear that you spoke about. I use that fear now for my couples and their families. My fear is that they won't have the photos that I've got. I'm mm. so, so lucky that I'm a photographer and I have photos of my mum that are her through and through. Yeah. They are her in all her little ways and she loved photography my dad loved photography so there's loads of photos of us as a family as well maybe not as adults but certainly I've got those photos and I would hate anyone else to not have them and I, we see it in the group all the time that people don't have those photos of their parents or their sibling or, or their partner with them as adults as, as they were just as babies and things like that and that just breaks my heart so I use that now that's my fuel and I can't really remember when I started using it as my fuel but it feels damn good now yeah I mean I can hand on heart vouch for the fact that there is so much passion behind your work and so much love and I mean I'm regularly crying at photos you post to people I mean you just get you just capture this absolute essence of like family and stuff like that and I yeah there's definitely a lot of passion that goes into your work and it it really shows thanks Alice
<laughs> no, this isn't sponsored. <laughs> so would you say that, that your work that you do now makes you feel connected to your mum or is there anything specific that you do to make you feel connected to her? Yeah, I think my work does, especially when I've got like a cracking shot and someone goes, oh, you just captured them just the way they are. Or, um, or I've done a wedding and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the kind of wedding I'd have. Mum would love that. Like, yeah. Like sometimes I'm still driving home in my car crying my eyes out. But um, that's cool. That's my therapy. Like, I think I, I can't remember if I cried after weddings before mum anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite emotive. emotive. <laughs> um, I always cry during speeches, like I solid know that that's fine. Mm. But yeah, and I definitely feel connected to her. And yeah, I feel like I've got lots of little ways that I feel. I mean, I'm three and a half years down the line, so I've found lots of things that help me feel connected to her. I live in her house, I garden in her garden. I am her. <laughs> my, brother, my brothers are like, Ruby, are you okay? Like, you've taken on a lot of mum. I'm like, it's cool. I'm eased into it. As long as I don't have to mother you, <laughs> clean the floor, then I'm fine. I think That's... the first time I met you, you were wearing your mum's, like, dungarees or, like, dungaree dress. Yes, probably. Or the one that I bought her the last Christmas because she'd asked for it and then she couldn't wear it so I did (laughs) I wear a lot of my mum's clothes I used to yeah I used to wear a lot more than I do but they've sort of fallen apart or I found my style more now I found out who I am yeah found out who I am we forget I think when you lose a parent or when you lose anyone you like forget who you are Mm. they take a little bit of you away and you have to figure out again it's really interesting that you say that because I think at the moment like recently I felt really disconnected from the version of me before I was dadless Mm. like he I said the other day on the group you know he kind of just had this way of making me feel like authentically myself like I didn't ever question myself with him because he was so good at making me feel myself so I'm hoping that over time I'm going to relearn that person and I think sometimes it's in pictures and I see myself and I'm like god I've not seen that smile like that like carefree photo of me where I'm like 21 and probably half full of wine and like (laughs) not really worrying about anybody around me dying (laughs) And it's weird, isn't it? Like you just forget what that feels like for a while after after somebody dies. Yeah, you really do. And I can't remember when I started laughing properly again. I can't put my finger on a point, but I certainly was like not laughing and not smiling in the same way. But I am a smiley, laughy person. Mm. And sometimes I'd be like, ah, am I faking it? Is this me? Is this the new me? Is this who I am now? Um, But certainly, like, I really laugh now. And I really smile now. And I... 
That's I like so my clothes more now because I get to buy them. My mum <laughs> used to buy all my clothes because she loved buying things for other people. So she'd just be like, I'll go see her. And I'd come home with like, she only lived down the road. <laughs> <laughs> I'd come home with a whole new wardrobe, some food that she didn't quite like, but she thought I'd like. Like, <laughs> we like shopping at Wendy's and it was, she did it for everyone. All of her closest friends all got clothes that she's bought or household items or things so me not having her buy my clothes I was mind blown she was obviously a very generous lady but how nice is that as well that all of her kind of friends and family then had something from her like something that they could hold on to it was almost like she knew maybe she knew maybe she knew all along she'd die young you talk a little bit about um her garden and your garden and how special that is and I'd love to hear more about you know do you have do you keep the same plants do you like grow vegetables you know is there any kind of special way that you keep it hers still or part of hers (laughs) it's my garden I hired gardeners in the beginning because mum hadn't been there to do the first, like the winter, to get it prepped up for spring. So come February, January, I was like, oh, the gardens, it just looks terrible. I don't know what to do. I have no idea where to start. So I just got someone in to do like labour work, like mowing the lawn, moving things around, deadheading, doing all the things I had no idea about that I know all about now and that was great and then yeah so then he was like your mum was a bit of a haphazard gardener wasn't she and I was like (laughs) she was a bit of a haphazard person so yeah (laughs) the next gardener I got in she she changed my life (laughs) she really changed my life she um she taught me so much about the garden. I'd just like wander around with her and say, mum loved this, mum did this, I'd like this, I'd like that. Um, and she was like, I can feel your mum in this garden. She was like really spiritual. And mm. she was just what I needed at that time, especially like, she was like, we can make this so magical. It's already so magical. Mm. Um, and she just like, moved things around and gave them the homes that they needed so like rose roses need more sunlight there was like a hibiscus tree that was in too much sun and I can't really remember what else she moved <laughs> but I remember we plant we trimmed back a rose and she planted another from that cutting planted another rose in a pot and another rose under what I call mum's tree there's a beautiful mm. blossom tree in the middle of the garden that I love watching change throughout the year. It's like how I know what time of year it is and stuff. Um, so I've been working on like making that a bit more of a, you know, just a bit more of a nice space rather than just it being a tree. Is that where <laughs> your stem of um, stem of love of blossom comes? Then is it that tree, or have you always loved blossoms? Oh, good question. <laughs> I think I've always loved blossoms my cousin lives in Japan so there's a love for it there and probably that tree yeah we've got lots of blossom trees in the garden but that one is the is the boy and so yeah on like mum's birthdays 
or anniversary, I always like to buy a plant or buy her favourite flowers. Um, and my most proudest is probably this birthday this year. So mum would have been 59 in January, end of January. And I'd avoided planting these bulbs. They were like tulips, hyacinths. I didn't need to nerd out on gardening with you, sorry. Um, <laughs> really colourful, colourful um, flowers. <laughs> and I hadn't planted them. I wanted someone else to do them with me. I wanted someone else to do it. And my dad gardens with me. He says he talks to my mum in the garden too, so that's nice. Like he can hear her. Like, he says he can hear her going, "What are you doing? Move that in." Like, no, this. Um, so mum was born and died on a snowy day, and this year it was snowing on her birthday. Wow. Yeah, I was mind blown. I was like, what is this? <laughs> and like it only snowed for what, like one or two days this year anyway? It wasn't like snowing yeah. for a couple of weeks, was it? No, just a little sprinkling, just just when I needed it. Um, just my little, my little sign. I didn't think these bulbs would grow at all. I was like, we've just planted them in the snow. Like, nah, they're going to be too cold. They're not going to, but they've come up. They've come up and they're so colourful and... They just give me joy all the time. I just can't, I was like, there was no chance that these should have come up. They were mouldy. They were like half rotten. <laughs> just, I was like, fuck it, we'll put them in the ground. See what happens. What's the worst? Nothing bad is ever going to happen from that. And I think that's what I love from gardening. Nothing bad is ever going to happen from you fiddling with something in the garden. Yeah, definitely. It's just like an ongoing project, isn't it? It's like something you can be really mindful with. You're watching things grow, like you're giving things life. It's, it's like a really magical thing. I think spring's my favourite time of year because it's just like, everything comes alive again. Everything, like new life, new things, a fresh start. I think I can totally agree with you there like there's something really magical about spring like just seeing everything pop up and like especially when you've got difficult dates in like December and January and then you sort of feel like you're coming out of it then and you've got all this like love and and life to look forward to. So there's a quote about um, gardening I can't remember who said it It might have been Audrey Hepburn to plant a garden is to believe in tomorrow. Oh, that's lovely. I love that. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll have to look up his quote with it. <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> Ruby, would you like to tell us about a time when your grief has been unexpectedly triggered? It happened just the other week. So I've got my first proper boyfriend since losing mum. I think we were doing something in the kitchen at his new house. And I was like, I'm just going to tell mum about that yeah can't do that yeah definitely it catches you off guard doesn't it yeah really off guard I was just gonna say that it doesn't matter how long it's been like sometimes you still just have that little switch in your mind that's like oh I'm gonna text mum or I'm gonna text dad and then you're like oh fuck like well I'm not because they're not here anymore and I think it's been happening more often for me now because I'm happy and I want to tell her mm. like I've, I've got something in my life that's like not stressful that's not work related that's like 
yes I found someone really lovely and she's not here to meet them yeah so that I've been definitely triggered sort of by that it's like I feel and dad was like oh you're so adult now because he like gave me a key to the house and I was like yes it's really adult oh my god am I getting older and, and she's still not here it almost distances you from them even further as if that's possible but and I think with relationships it's really hard you know I'm kind of like well I've been with my partner um for a couple of years now and and thankfully she got to meet my dad but I get really sad that he doesn't get to meet my some of my best friends now (laughs) like I'm sad that he doesn't get to meet Alice I'm sad that he doesn't get to like ironically because otherwise we wouldn't have met but um you know it's 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 strange when they miss those moments in your life and when you were saying about um when you're saying that you almost forget that you can't tell her things my my mum was in the kitchen the other day and she feeds the robin in the garden and she calls him rob uh, which is my dad's name and um she goes, we're on the phone, and she goes, oh, Rob's, um, oh, Rob's just come in for his tea. And the way she said it, I had this vision of my dad walking into the kitchen like he used to when I was sitting there having a cup of tea and mum would be making dinner. And I was like, oh, is, like, how is he today? And she was like, what? And I was like, oh, wait, I just forgot that dad died like for that split second I honestly mm. thought he had just walked in for his dinner it messes you up doesn't it it was so weird <laughs> and I you like you just don't you could like it's hard to imagine that you could just forget but it's totally it possible <laughs> it's totally possible like half a second and then it's like everything comes crashing down so Ruby Obviously, we have met through the wonderful organisation that is Let's Talk About Loss. And I wondered if you wanted to talk a little bit about your journey as a host and what Let's Talk About Loss means to you. Oh, go on then, if I have to. (laughs) Um, Lisa, I was going to say that um, the people that I've met from the group, like Alice, Kyla, and a load of other people that I don't want to miss out, but they're my hosts, they're my co-hosts now. I know they're solid names. Um, the people that I've met through Let's Talk About Loss are my gifts from mum. They are just absolute treasures and it doesn't matter that they didn't get to meet mum because they get to hear about her and they, I wouldn't know them if it wasn't for her. So, mm. yeah they're my gifts and I'm very grateful for them because they help me make sense of everything (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I became a host uh, for Let's Talk About Loss in 2018 Beth will have to correct me if I'm wrong I think that's right Um, which feels like a really long time ago now but I messaged Beth on Instagram and said I wanted to be involved is there anything I can do I think I just wanted to attend I didn't want to be on my own. I tried to get my baby brother to come along because he'd introduced me to Griefcast, which is how I found Let's Talk About Loss. And I was like, will you come with me? He was like, nah, not my thing. I'm all right. And he, he had a lot of friends who had also lost 
parents around the sort of same time, which is just rubbish. But they were all great for each other and supportive of each other. So he had his people. But I didn't really know anyone who had been my age that had lost anyone. Um, So finding that's talk about loss. I say it all the time, but I'm so grateful for it. I it's helped me so much in my grief journey. It's been so healing for me. I honestly, honestly do not know what I'd be like now if I'd still be trapped in those feelings that I had in year two and in the first few months. Like I've had somewhere where I can vent and voice and I've had positivity thrown back at me, advice sometimes if I've asked for it. Um, Just having people around you that you don't have to really think about what you're going to say. You don't have to worry about their feelings so much, like their feelings about death, like, because you know you're all there for like the same reason. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and then becoming a host making the group grow and flourish um, has been rewarding, really rewarding and makes me feel useful. I think my mama would be proud of me. And yeah, it's just amazing to, to know that you're not alone at all. Mm. I, I couldn't agree more with you. I feel, emo- I feel like emotional, like listening to you talking about that because it is just, such a fantastic place and actually thinking about it on two of the in-person meetups that I've been with with you we've seen one of your mum's friends I, th- I think like and you've been like <laughs> yes. shouted at <laughs> yes, <it has. laughs> like oi Ruby and you're like oh sorry that's just one of my mum's mates <laughs> and you're yeah. like shh I'm at grief grief I'm already behaving <laughs> yeah that's the problem with being a Bristol girl I think and especially like if you know a walker you know half of Bristol and mum knew Mm. half of Bristol so yeah can't help I can't literally can't walk anywhere without (laughs) to anyone so during the pandemic that's been a bit felt naughty like (laughs) I'm sorry I can't stop and walk (laughs) but I love the idea of like your mum's like rowdy <laughs> mates kind of bugging you at a grief meeting like that's just really funny <laughs> yeah and they all know that they all know about let's talk about loss some of them are a bit jealous because they're all old and they've not got their parents and they haven't got a group but you know they've got each other they can choose to bond with each other we're at a point in that like 18 to 35 it's such a my god there's things that we haven't done without our parents there and or whoever you know there's just like it's such a a life-changing age age group you know so much stuff can happen without our people there that makes the rest of our lives really difficult or just harder and just crapper and (laughs) yeah yeah. Would you say that Let's Talk About Loss has been the biggest thing to help you through your grief? Has there been anything else that's helped you? It's definitely been the biggest thing. The mm. biggest thing and my friends just being amazing. Mm. Holidays. Um, resting, resting, giving myself time. The garden, 
like I constantly wake up and feel grateful for um being where I am um and yeah just trying to accept that life's not going to look the same again but it's going to be new and it's going to be different and that there it's my choice to try and be happy and let's talk about loss made me want to try and be happy Mm. definitely yeah I think that's really nice I think it does it gives you a new lease of life doesn't it and yeah it's just a just a wonderful thing to be part of and like you say like I can't like myself as well I can't imagine what I'd be without it now because it's literally like it feels like one of the biggest parts of my life right now is is let's talk about loss in that group you know my best friends are from that group now it's just <laughs> I don't know what I'd do without it to be honest I'm a new and improved me because of it you know there's still bits of me that I don't like about myself I think that that I've gotten from grief like brain fog <laughs> oh god yeah <laughs> Um, memory loss um yeah overeating <laughs> um, yeah. loads of things I don't like about myself but generally um let's talk about loss and being a grieving human has changed me and I think I'm better for it now yeah. I'd still like my mum back though please can I um yeah can I get I arrange this <laughs> interesting isn't it because I like I I get that and I I definitely feel really grateful for all of the lessons I've learned in the last year I feel like I've learned an awful lot about communication about like managing man without sounding like it's really professional but like managing relationships yeah like I kind of know I, I can almost navigate through life with a clearer mind, even with this grief fog, to, you know, kind of hovering over me constantly because things don't seem as complicated when you just know what you're going for because nothing's going to be as bad as losing that person. Yes. 100%. So take the risk, go on the holiday, like buy the thing that you want, whatever it is. Ruth taught me how to say no and get what I want from life. Losing mm. mum, losing Ricky, just like, no, I'm not putting up with crap. I'm, I'm going for it. I'm doing this because life is too short. Yeah. I literally couldn't agree with you more. That's so right. Um, and I wonder whether just to finish things up, if you had some like a perfect memory of your mum or like another funny story or if you just wanted to summarise the wonderful person that she was to finish? Oh, my mum. My mum, my mum, my mum. I think I was very lucky that my mum... That I spent quite a lot of time with my mum. Well, tried to. And we did things together. We didn't just... I don't know. Um, we were friends. And I loved her friends. And her friends loved me. Um, so we did lots of things together. And I'm grateful, so before, just before I started uni, oh my God, there's just so many things, this is really hard. Just before I started uni, um, she took me on holiday. We went to Turkey and she really pissed me off a lot of it. (laughs) 
but she also um we also just had the best time swimming tanning laughing with each other um and she gave me my sibyls just before we went on holiday so diana porter makes these lovely pendants with words on alice you would have seen them but mum had three sets of them and i think she'd been given them by her friends i think some of them she might have bought for herself and also me and the boys on her last christmas gave her loved unafraid and listen and the following year she died so and we wanted her to just be unafraid of like our lives and for her to just let go she knew she was loved she didn't know how great she was but she knew she was loved and she was forced to listen because she couldn't really talk (laughs) (laughs) so um but she gave me um strong secure and humor and I use them almost like life goals now so that's my little thing that I have Thank you for listening to this episode of the Grief Sofa podcast. Please subscribe, rate and review to help us reach new listeners. If you have enjoyed listening and would like to join us on the Grief Sofa, please get in touch on Instagram at the Grief Sofa or email us thegriefsofa at gmail.com.